Hey everyone, it's Tom. We've got a cool little game you can play if you go over to our website, www.talkaroundriad.com. It's a survey pitting two random Wheel of Time characters against each other and asking you to vote which character is more of a main character in the books. The combinations are nearly endless, so keep voting as much as you'd like. We'll reveal the final results in a special episode soon. Remember, vote early, vote often. Matt's calling us shills in Discord. I would think we're the least of the shills. <laughs> I am glad to be a shill. Take every opportunity. <laughs> Tom and I have been saying for years we can't wait to sell out. Like yes, <laughs> give, give the first the first, first opportunity. Offer. You're all good. Are you ready to start the show? You, you, everyone ready? I'm ready. Yeah. All right. Welcome to Talk Around Riyadh, the Wheel of Time Showcast. I am your host. Joe Perry here with my co-hosts, Jen Isgro, Tom Kokoza, and special co-host, Brendan Johnston. How are you all doing tonight? I want you all to answer at once. Ready? One, two, three, answer. Why is Brendan the special co-host? I'm co-host? really excited about the show, episode five. Brendan? That wasn't all. <laughs> that was I'm, terrible, I'm guys. That was awful. <laughs> How are you doing, Brendan? so bad. I'm good. I'm fine. I'm good. I'm a little, my fine? feelings are a little hurt because of what Tom just said, but that's all. I'm used to it. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, like we're all special in our own way. Is all I'm trying to say. Jen, how you doing, Jen? Where are you? Where are you coming I'm from, good. Jen? Jen's always like am, oh, yeah. Jen's always abroad when we record. Abroad, oh, yeah. yeah. I'm coming to you live from the capital city of Pennsylvania, Sunny Harrisburg. Harrisburg. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Jen, what are you doing Where in Harrisburg? I will be uh, visiting Hershey Park tomorrow again. I think a couple months ago I also did a show from Hershey Park. So Jen's going to be giving this out be... free chocolate bars to all of our yes. listeners. Yes, I will. <laughs> right with Daniel Green's ice cream. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Tom, how you doing? I'm doing well. We just did a, a live Twitter watch party. When I say just, I mean like 15 minutes ago I finished tweeting on it. That was awesome. That was the, one of the quickest hours of my life. It was pretty fast. Yeah. It went by pretty fast. Yeah, that was fun. That was a lot of fun. You did a hell of a job, Tom. Oh, well, thank you. Yeah. So before we get into the episode recap and the discussion, there's a couple of things I wanted to bring up. First of all, I wanted to announce our participation in the What a Holiday 24-hour live stream that's going to be taking place beginning Saturday, December 11th at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Um, We're going to be on actually Sunday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. Um, It's a 24-hour live stream. It is to benefit the Lightweaver Foundation, which is uh, Brandon and Emily Sanderson's foundation that provides basic needs, which includes food, water, shelter, and clothing to those who need it. So come check us out. Check out all the other content creators who are going to be participating in that. It's going to be 24 hours of Wheel of Time live streaming on YouTube. I'll include the links in our show notes, of course, as I always do. And come with your, I was going to say come with your checkbooks, but that's kind of a dated thing to say, right? <laughs> come with your your GoFundMe accounts. I don't know. Set up your GoFundMe accounts so you can give money to those who need it more than you. Come with your Bitcoin. Come with your 
<laughs> cryptocurrency. I don't think they yeah, accept crypto. crypto. <laughs> I don't think they accept <laughs> cryptocurrency. Maybe NFTs, all that good stuff. Uh, and then also, I wanted to bring up two clarifications from last week's episode. So Sarah Nakamura had tweeted about the Loghain shield, right? We talked about how Steppen, we were like, did Steppen cut through the shield on Loghain? And how was he able to get Side Dean, you know, the male half of the source, out through the shield? And she confirmed this, and I will quote her directly from Twitter. He wasn't shielded, which is what I said. They were trying to strong arm a shield on him, but it hadn't settled. He was fighting against it and used Steppen's charge as a distraction and defense by shattering his axes and hurling the pieces into the crowd. How does that sit with everyone here? Does that make sense? Does it hold water? Do you think it's bogus? I'll take it. It works for me. Yeah. I like this answer, and I thank you, Sarah, for tweeting this out, because that means I'm right. (laughs) (laughs) And that's what's important. That's what's important on this show. And then the second thing is Helena Westerman confirmed on Twitter, quote, can confirm, not a dark friend, just really good at decimating Trollocs. So this is an instance where I was not right, <laughs> where, <laughs> where she's confirmed that Leila Ibarra is not a dark friend. So any... So go ahead, I saw, I'm not going to talk about it right now. I'll wait till our 20 minute Layla conversation later, even though she's not in this episode. <laughs> we have to continue our streak. Our weekly. Um, I saw a tweet that included an interview of Madeline Madden that spoke on uh, the Layla situation that I thought maybe we should talk about. But I'll wait until uh, after the recap. Okay. So just to remind everybody, the first half of the show is going to be spoiler-free, and then once that's over, we'll let everybody know, and we'll jump into our spoiler portion, where you, if those of you who haven't read the books or don't want to be spoiled can drop off. So let's start with an episode <laughs> recap from Jen. Okay, episode five, Blood Calls Blood. Joe, I'm going to help you out, because you usually like to say the director of the, and the writer of the episode, and I think you forgot. No, I didn't forget. I was, I was hoping that you would bring it up. Oh, no, I didn't, Okay, you usually do. Okay. The director is Sally Richardson-Whitfield, and it was written, and the writer I do not know. It was Celine Song. Okay. Written by Celine Song, directed by Sally Richardson-Whitfield. We open on a light snow in the woods, where the remaining Aes Sedai camp is burying the dead from the battle. Stepan, extremely emotional, places Karenne into a grave and removes her, removes her ring. One month later... The Aes Sedai, still with Nynaeve and Loghain, are riding up to Tarvalon. Maureen and Lan discuss how they haven't been back in a long time and hope the others have made it to the city. Rand and Matt are approaching the city as well in another location. Matt looks very sick and is extremely agitated. Rand says he recognizes the mountain beyond Tarvalon. They enter the city full of merchants and people of all cultures, including a camel and a barber. Matt has been afraid that he was the one who killed the Grinwell family, but Rand convinces him it was the Fade. Moraine sets Nynaeve up in a room in the warder's quarters in the tower, my new favorite phrase. She tells her when her friends get there, she will let her know. She warns her about trusting the other Aes Sedai. They discuss Nynaeve channeling and how she will be expected to become a novice. The Tinkers and Pegwain walk through the woods. They are stopped by a party of White Cloaks led by Aemon Valda. He spots Pegwain and demands they turn the kids over. The Tinkers link arms to protect them, and Pegwain and Aram run off as the White Cloaks begin punching their way through the lines. They don't get far as a group of mounted white cloaks knock Aram out and surround Pegwain. Rand is reading a book in the inn library when a large creature approaches him. He pulls a sword, but it's just Loyal, the sweetest book-loving Ogier this side of the waste. He calls Rand an Aielman as much as Rand protests. Rand tries to discuss Egwain with him, but Loyal cannot stop talking long enough to listen. Rand runs out as the Loghain procession is passing by the window. Rand and Matt watch the procession. 
Loghain looks up at them from his cage while being pelted with garbage and begins laughing hysterically. Matt makes Rand promise to kill him if he is the dragon before he becomes like that, and Rand asks him to oh, do the same. Oh, that's very presumptuous of you. You're just Let her flat out. Go ahead. Sorry. What do you mean? We'll they, talk later. What's presumptuous? We'll they didn't, they didn't say, will you kill me if I, if I can channel? Oh, uh, whatever. That's what, he, that's what well, he meant. Go ahead, Finn. We'll, we'll talk. We'll talk. <laughs> all right, we'll discuss it. That Put a not, pin in that, that one. That was not an objective portion of recap. I'm sorry. That's all I'm saying. Matt says, uh, what did he even say then? I don't no, keep going. Just we'll power through it. We'll power through it. Keep going. Don't let Joe Stefan is being you. dressed in white by Maxim and Yvonne. Stefan discusses his past and how meeting Karene and becoming her warder saved his life. Lan tries to convince Stepin to bond another Aes Sedai, but he refuses. They walk past a row of other warders, and Stepin stops before a fire, placing Karene's ring, Sans Green Stone, into it to melt. Lan returns to Moraine's room for silent comfort. That's not as dirty as it sounds. Valda is sleeveless now, so you know shit is going down. <laughs> Egwene is stripped naked, washed, and clothed in a white dress by the white cloaks in Valda's tent. She is tied to a chair as Perrin is brought in, gagged and bound. Valda discusses how Aes Sedai use their hands to channel, but how it is a crutch, not required. Egwene insists she cannot channel, then insults Valda and dares him to kill her. Valda says if she channels, he'll kill her and free Perrin. If not, he'll kill Perrin and free her. He begins slicing Perrin's back, during which Perrin's eyes flash gold. Then he leaves them to decide. Stepin comes to Nynaeve for some sleeping tea. He says he can't sleep because he doesn't want to forget the pain of losing Karene. Leandrin approaches Nynaeve in the hallway and tries to make nice, discussing her Aja. She tells Nynaeve to enjoy her freedom and shows her the way out to the Tower Gardens. Loyal enters Rand and Matt's room with Nynaeve, who he found in the gardens. Nynaeve checks on Matt and he's happy to see her, but he quickly snaps at her. Out in the hall, Rand tells Nynaeve that he thinks Matt can channel and he is afraid to bring him to the Tower. Rand says he's worried about Egwene and Perrin, and Nynaeve tells him a story about how Egwene survived a terrible fever when she was a child. She says Egwene is unbreakable. Alone in the tent, Egwene tries to channel. Perrin says it should be him that dies, and finally stops being a murderer by admitting what he did to Layla. Valder <laughs> returns and begins torturing Perrin again. Perrin screams and his eyes turn gold as we hear wolves howling outside. Egwene channels a small flame and burns Perrin's bonds. Perrin frees himself with a growl, and Egwene comes up behind and stabs Valda in the shoulder. They run outside to some wolf pack carnage. The wolves let them pass, and they run into the night. Leandrin and Moraine manipulate each other. They talk about Nynaeve and which <laughs> Aja she will choose. <laughs> Stepan is burning candles by a group of wooden figurines of the Forsaken. Lan says not many people still make offerings to ward them off. They talk about how the Forsaken were given eternal life by the Dark One, then sealed away by the last dragon, and wonder if they can still touch our world. Alana and Moraine discuss Alana's offer to bond Stepin. Moraine says she has read about a way to release the bond. Hmm. Alana tells her the Amarlin has summoned them to the hall over what went down with Loghain. She says Moraine is strong enough to challenge her. Leandrin's strength is also growing, and both she and Swan could be very powerful enemies to Moraine. Alana leaves Moraine's room, and Moraine reveals a painting on her wall of a woman looking out a window, which I assume will eventually mean something. <laughs> Stepin and Lan have tea while talking about Stepin possibly being bonded to Alana and all that entails. Stepin tries to get Lan to talk about Nynaeve and how she is falling for him, but Lan will say nothing. Lan awakens in the morning and realizes Stepin had given him the sleeping tea. He finds Stepin on the ground with a sword through his gut, dead. Hell of a way to kill yourself, but you do you. Lan steps up at Stepin's funeral and he is told to relieve them of their grief. Everyone begins beating their chests with a fist as Lan scream cries over Stepin's body. Moraine feels his anguish with silent tears. Finished. Thank you, Jen. Well done.
People in Discord are correcting you saying Perrin didn't free himself. Egwene burnt his rope. That's but true. I didn't say, I said yeah, that. She said that. Oh. What do you mean? I don't know. I'm just just reading what people Burns on Discord Perrin's bonds. Perrin frees himself like he pulls his arms apart so the rope falls off. That's yeah, what but, I mean. Uh, Proceeded he with... burns Perrin's bonds. He frees like he stands up, basically. I don't okay. mean he free, like literally frees himself. We want to make sure she, she breaks the rope. Yes, she breaks the rope. We want to make sure that men up. aren't getting any credit in this episode. Right. No, none, <laughs> no credit at all. What? Men are horrible people, as yeah. portrayed in this entire series. Yes, they are. If you listen to if you listen to our bonus content reviewing reviews, you'll understand. <laughs> uh, the bonus content. Wayne did it. The bonus content was a real uh, was a real callback to me for the glory days of the early uh, the early episodes of the show where I was just responding to you guys uh, out loud. <laughs> <laughs> At least I wasn't on public transportation while I was doing it this time. That's good. <laughs> where do we start? Do we want to start from the beginning, or is there something that's that you're uh, eager to share and there's, a, there's something pressing that you need to address in this show that you've been holding in for the last couple of days. So uh, let's go back to the pin. Let's just start with the pin. What did Matt say that I was wrong? I think... Matt didn't say, hey, will we kill each other if we become channelers? He just said, um, oh, I had the quote here too somewhere around here. And I don't even have it. I can't even pull it up uh, right now. Also, I want to actually take a step before that when like... Matt sees Loghain like insanely laughing. Rand doesn't see that because that's not yeah, I don't, what I, happens. I, I right? wrote that before I realized like it probably was in Matt's head, but I wasn't well, sure. Well, it's not the, I mean, it's not, I guess it's not definitive, but I'm pretty sure that it was. And, and that leads to that conversation having two different meanings for those two men. Yeah. Right. Matt yeah. is saying, don't let me get like that, an insane lunatic in a cage. Right. And I think Matt is saying, kill me, I'll kill you. And Rand is saying, I won't let you be captured. Yeah. And you won't let me be captured. Yeah, he's saying, don't let it come to this. Don't let it come to that. Right. So that could mean a lot of things. Yeah. And that's why I was saying you weren't, I was just pointing out that you weren't objective. You were making, you were jumping to conclusions. There were, I'm sorry. They were having two different conversations. Right. Okay. My two thoughts were, is he talking about euthanasia? Or was he talking about gentling? Don't let me get gentled and put in a cage, which is, you know, I think oh. we're alluding to. I don't know if they know that he's gentled. How would they even know that? Oh, that's a good point, Jen. You're right. They wouldn't know that at all. I think Rand is saying, like, he doesn't have any freedom anymore. He's, he's a cat. He's a prisoner. But he decides to die and he's defeated. That's what Rand sees. And, you know, Matt sees a man who's gone insane. And put me like, out of my misery. Put me out of my misery, right? I think it's two different... They clearly have two different points of view about the world right now. And they're apparently seeing different things. Yeah, I took it originally when I first saw it at face value that he meant don't let me wind up yeah, don't let me wind up in a cage, you know, with Aes Sedai. We'll protect each other. We'll make sure that we're safe and we're not, you know, captured and treated like they're treating Logan. That's how I took it originally. But then you I know a lot of people point to that out, like Matt saying no, put me out of my misery. Which yeah. I can see that. Rand thinks he's already doing his part of the deal. Right. Yeah. So you think Brendan, the same thing that he's talking, Matt's talking about, kill me. <laughs> they both mean well, but Rand is saying, don't worry, I'll take care of you. And Matt is saying, don't worry, I'll kill you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take care of you. Right. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not take care of you, take care of you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, we're at that scene, so let's talk about it, right? So we see that scene, and we see Loghain and Matt have kind of a, a long-distance stare, where Loghain just looks at him, 
and starts laughing at him and Matt's kind of focused in on him. And then all of a sudden, like Rand's like, Matt, you okay? And then it cuts back. Logan's just sitting right. back in his cage. Right. I, I had to watch it. I, I mean, I always watch the episodes twice, but the, I didn't get until the second time that Logan wasn't laughing. Matt was seeing Logan laughing, or at least that's how it appeared. Cause Matt's yes. kind of losing it. You know, it's weird too. Logan like, was just kind of slumped in the cage. Yeah. And right. which I got something to say about that cage when we're talking. <laughs> <laughs> it's a new cage, right? Yeah, it's a different cage. That's Where'd the they traveling get that cage? cage. No, the, no, the cage was he's, when, the cage when he melted when they the cage. The cage he melted the cage. That was a different cage. That was a stationary cage. This is a, tra- a a cart cage. So where they got that cage too? Because when they show them traveling, yes. that, there's no wagons or cage at all. And then when they get to Tarvalon, they're all oh, maybe of a sudden they got a new cage. Then they must they're have like, brought them a new cage. <laughs> yeah. We got the second cage. We're about they to come into have, the city. They must have phoned ahead and told them we need a new cage. Get us That's a new cage. That's why it took so long for them to come in. Like Maureen, Lynn, and Nynaeve were in already, and they're all just outside waiting for the cage. Well, okay, we're at this point, too. I want, I want to ask this question, too, because this was another thing that bothered me. And I'm sorry, people. These little things bother me, but there were no servants or anybody traveling with them. There was no, like, baggage carts or anything. There it was, was just, a servant. They may I have saw been. a they bunch got, of water. There was a servant they, in the... In that last week, yeah, they all got identified. Like somebody walked out of the tent of Karani's tent when she was healing. Okay, the so I, yeah. I, I, I yeah, I'm pretending of, that that we just don't see them. Well, no, I mean, there's far more dead people than alive people after the. Oh, can we of, talk of, about of, that too? Of last episode, so I would imagine just everybody who wasn't a warder or someone who can channel, everyone else is dead. Like all the servants that may have been traveling with them died. There's, they there's a were burying of, the other side too. Yeah, that was my that was my first the, the note. Soldiers. That's my very oh. first question of the episode was: Are they burying the Dragonsworn, or they just buried the King of Galden because they knew he was the King of Galden and were like, "Let's I thought, bury him." Oh, I, I thought they put somebody another soldier into the ground right before him. Maybe I can't remember what he was wearing, but I thought I was like, "Oh, they're burying like," because I didn't think there were that many people that died. Nobody died on their side other than, like, nobody we knew. No either I said I other than Karene. And most of the battle took place in the woods right. away from the camp. So the, the servants wouldn't have been out there. They would have been staying in the camps. Not if you follow my yeah, theory. I don't think any of them died. But your theory is were... bullshit. So that's my other, that's the other thing I want to point out. <laughs> Tom's theory is bullshit because Tom's no. theory was that there were two camps and the cave was in the middle. No. I pulled no. up the I screenshot. Was, I didn't say there was two camps. I said that they were on opposite sides of the camp. Tom, I put Man. I showed the picture of the red tent and the green tent, and they were literally like fifty feet apart. Sure, sure, so, that's fine. Why does this matter? Right? Okay. No, matter? I'm gonna, but still, if I'm on the if I'm on the green side and the army comes in from the red side, that's still behind me. <laughs> but it's this not. is the first. It's the first. So the whole battle of the took place in that, in that fifty feet. I feel yeah, like this is like a Mel Brooks movie or something going on here. The cowboys like, just running. They're just running. <laughs> So, I they came through the woods Monty and Pi- everybody went out to the woods to fight them a little like a little bit into the woods or Monty Python into and the, the Holy woods, Grail that the scene woods. where the guy where she's just running and running really far thinking, away yeah. <laughs> that whole scene's right there <laughs> she's right there I thought comes this was going to be the episode where everyone got mad at me and it turns out it's the episode where everybody gets mad at everybody so that's a really <laughs> yeah, the one where everybody got hey. mad at ever. Wait, back to the, I want. I'm sorry, I want to go back to the um, the laughing because we kind of got off track there. The one thing that threw me off with that is, right? You know, Matt and Logan are locked in. He's laughing, and Matt's staring at him. And then, like, Rand shakes him. Are you okay, Matt? And when it cuts back to Logan, usually in like when they do scenes like this in movies and TV, 
it'll cut back right away and zoom in to make it clear that it was in his head. Like the other guy's not doing that. Like Loghain's not doing that. But it was a while. And then when it cut back, it was a far away, like wide shot of Loghain sitting in there. So, I mean, it in real time, if you're watching it in real time and pretending that that scene is taking place in real time, it's quite possible that in the time that the camera cut to Matt and Rand and they had their exchange, Loghain could have just sat back down in the cage. Yes, that's true. Possibly. It's not Yeah, it wasn't obvious. Clear. And I would say it's not intended to be crystal clear. I don't think you're supposed to have 100% certainty that Matt is crazy. I think you're supposed to have a pretty strong idea that he may be crazy, but not 100% certainty on that. The only thing I think that really does tip you off the fact that that that's not real, that is in his head, is that Logan's like laughing maniacally and like his face up against the cage. Yeah. And Matt's just looking at him, like staring at him. And Rand looks at Matt like super confused, like, yeah. what are you looking at, man? Like nothing's happening. And, and then no- he's like, hey, Matt, you okay? And nobody yeah. else says anything. Right. Yeah. And nobody else reacts to that. Yeah. None of the eyes that I go, hey, why is our prisoner looking right. at that guy on the wall? Right. Yeah. And Rand yeah. doesn't react to it either, right? Rand would have, you would assume Rand would have also seen Logan laughing and been like a little suspicious or bring it up. Right. Okay. I'll take that. I was an interesting scene. I'll tell you that much. Matt's not I, doing well. He's snapping at little kids, snapping at Nynaeve, seeing Logan laughing maniacally. He's not doing too good. What's wrong with him? Not looking good. What do you think, Brendan? Uh, well, he like he's got a venom symbiote in him or something. He's like spitting up this black stuff. Um, <laughs> Is it channeling? You think it's because he can channel? And I think he's got to kill Spider Man. I think that's the only no. Um, I, no, I, I, I think he. Um, I think it's something to do. It's got to be something to do with the dagger because it's uh, he took the dagger from Shadow Logoth or however it's pronounced. Um, and Shadow uh, Logoth, sure. And uh, <laughs> it was the same black. It was the same black craft that was uh back there that like dissolved the horse yeah right land tells he puked it up when he was at the farm and uh so i'm sure it's got something to do with that so yeah right and land said don't touch anything and matt of course did touch something and it's possible that the dagger is doing something to matt there's some sort of curse from the city is traveling with matt because he took the dagger. Yeah, he, he took a magic dagger from a haunted city. What the fuck did he expect was going to happen? <laughs> yeah, it's either, it's either going to be really good right. or really bad. All right, so we talked about the Loghain scene. Earlier on, Matt talks about, in the very beginning, about Tarand, and he's saying, tell me I didn't kill those that family. He said they're having yeah. that conversation. Yeah. So we if we connect those two scenes together, right, Matt's clearly not remembering things or seeing things. And he's having trouble distinguishing things that actually happened as opposed to things that are just in his head. Do you think he's having visions of himself killing those things, killing the family? Or is he just so confused at this point that he's just not sure? I think he probably just doesn't. It's like he blacked out during that time, maybe. So like Rand just told him like what happened and he just uh, isn't sure, like doesn't remember what happened. Mm hmm. Yeah, that's it, what I was thinking. Yeah, that, I guess that's my my guess too. Is basically like, I think he comes to as like Tom gets into the fight with the Fade. Matt starts to like see what's happening, and when he sees, hey, I've, I'm holding a knife, and there's all these stabbed people around. Yeah, I think the fact that he doesn't know is what's bothering him. But like that part about like not like seeing things and not knowing they're real and whatever, like that does get like very subtly addressed later on in the episode. Right when he sees Nynaeve, 
he doesn't know whether like she's really there or not. Like it's like a brief moment. Mm-hmm. He's like, you know, is it is it really you? She's like, who else? Oh uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, he's definitely confused, and something's going on. Whether it's the dagger or whether it's that he can channel and he's feeling the taint. Although we haven't seen him channel, at least we don't think we've seen him channel. A question about earlier on too, when him and Rand they first are like approaching Tar Valon. Rand mentions that he's they look at the mountain right off in the distance, which for anyone who doesn't know, it's called Dragon Mount. Um, that is the mountain. If you've watched the um, the uh, animated shorts, I think it was might have been in the first episode. The animated yeah, short, yeah, first or second one. I, we don't. Yeah. We know Brendan. We know Brendan's watched them all. He loves. I know Brendan. Them. Has, oh, yeah. I know Brendan's watched all of them and knows every single word of them. Just loves the concept. Anyway, that's the. Uh, so they mention about the 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 last dragon, and I'm sorry, I'm saying the last dragon who broke the world. He went crazy and channeled so much that he basically turned himself into a mountain, which is now Dragon Mount, which is that mountain that overlooks Tarvalon. Rand says that he's seen that before. Have we? And I was trying to think back, and I, and does anybody remember seeing it anywhere in prior episodes? No. No. Okay. No. I wasn't sure either. I thought maybe in one of the dreams, I, you know, I didn't go back and look. I think we we only sort of mentioned it in the in Jen's recap, but there was a time jump of a month mm-hmm. from the last episode. Mm. So I kind of just assumed that Rand's been having some additional visions and maybe saw it in one of his uh, one of his spooky dreams that we didn't actually see because of the time jump. Yeah, I'm wondering if we're going to get flashbacks to the time jump. Like, there's a lot of stuff. Like, they skip a month, which happens a lot in TV, but I wonder if we're going to get any flashbacks. The show's already done flashbacks. They skip a month, but um, with the exception of Matt asking Rand to tell him again that he didn't kill that little girl, it seems like everybody spent that month completely silent because they're all just talking. <laughs> they're all just talking about things that happened a month ago, like they happened yesterday. Well, Perrin and Egwene yeah. don't. Perrin and Egwene, I think, have the... Like, and I know you're, it's your favorite storyline, Brendan, but... Um, I feel like the first time you see them, there is a a marked difference yeah, in how they that's are. That's true. That's true. Like, Egwene's like dressed in tinker clothing and she's very upbeat yeah, that's and true. happy. And even parents, like he's relaxed. He can have a conversation again. Right. He doesn't like seem to just be in a state of shock or grief constantly. Yeah, no, that's I, that's, I think. that's true. That's true. And my favorite thing about the month timeline is that you get Shaggy here ran now. <laughs> yeah, that was a nice touch for everybody. Perrin, though, somehow must have been trim- Tinkers, must have had Bobbers. We saw Bobbers, Tom. We did see Bobbers. And here's the thing that, okay, so, you know, Perrin's hair grows out a little bit. He's got his beard. is trimmed, but he's still got a beard. Matt was shaggy already, you know, all over the place. Who is shaving Rand's face? He might have traveled with a razor. They used he's sleeping he's in haystacks. Maybe he can't grow a beard. Maybe yeah. he can't grow a beard. No, yeah, he's like Mike yeah, Armstrong. Okay. He just can't grow a beard. Maybe he's using the <laughs> yes. da- Matt's dagger to shave. That's that's probably so. that's probably your probably good idea. Not. <laughs> he's, got Maybe, awesome, yeah. he's got this awesome sword that he never actually uses. Yeah. Okay, so we're, we're jumping all over the place. Out. He pulls it out in the library. The first time he looks like he knows at all what he's doing with that. He he actually like unsheathes the sword in a way that like he doesn't like have to like you know grab the sheath and like pull the like it was a smooth motion. So I don't know. Maybe he's been practicing against trees while they've been walking. I don't know. Yeah, he's been beating up trees on the, on his way over there. He looks a little bit more comfortable with it. Is all I'm saying. Um, we well, did we ever see him use it yet, Tom? Up to that no, point, no, he no. tries to the pull first it out. Time he, drew he tries the sword? to 
He tries to get it versus Dana. Dana disarms him and throws oh, the sword right. at him yeah. immediately. Yeah. yeah, that's right. And every other time he uses it, he uses it the same way if I gave you a sword and just said, hey, carry this around. Like you would handle it in the same kind of like, where do I put it? And I just, you know. Oh, man. I practice I with like... my swords every other day, man. Oh, I'm sorry. Multiple swords. Multiple swords. At the same time. If I had to give anyone on this podcast a sword and trust them to use it effectively, it would be you, Joe. I mean, thank that. you, brother. Oh, I, I knew you. I really thought you were going to say me. But... <laughs> I was on. I mean, this is many, many years ago, but I was on a fencing team. I understand. Oh, we're not. We're not talking about fencing, dude. We're not I'm using just say, Just say. Um, by right. the way, okay, we're talking about Pegwain. I would I would like to say with confidence that the Perrin and Egwene storyline was the best part of this episode. I disagree, but it it wasn't the worst part of the episode for me. What was the worst part? I've de- I've determined that I'm that like I've only got two storylines worth of uh, attention and appreciation in me. <laughs> For this, for this show in general, <laughs> I would argue so there are was, four, there are four storylines. I would think in this episode, um, there's well, three locations. Yeah, uh, there's four yeah. storylines. What's going on with Maureen and Lan is not what's going on with Nynaeve. Those are different things. There's I not much going on with Maureen and Lan at all. I would say no. This episode. No, Maureen. Oh, and, the the exactly whole episode's about their relationship. Yeah. It's just played out through Stepan. Oh. Uh, yeah. The entire okay. episode from the beginning to the end is about the relationship and the danger of that relationship I, and how saw, here is a life lesson about yeah. what could happen to them. I saw, a lot, of, I saw a lot of complaining about like, why is this, why is this episode all about Stefan? And I'm just like, every time I saw it and I, I didn't engage, but I'm like, it's not at all about Stefan. It's not about Stefan yeah. at all. Right. But yeah, They're I feel talking like talking about Stefan, but that's not. Yeah. He's the MacGuffin, but like it starts and ends with you know, then there's looking at each other and realizing like the weight of what they're yeah. they're doing, you know, and 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 the possible consequence, right? But I think that there's a lot of different stuff that happens in the tower. That's not all one storyline. That's all. I yeah, I agree with you. I was yeah, I was talking about three general areas. You're right, locations. So, Brendan, what was your favorite oh, that location was or storyline? The land and marine stuff in the tower. But we were talking we were talking about Pegwing, which I did I did enjoy this week once okay. they got away from the tinkers. <laughs> The Tinkers got bitch slapped by the White Cloaks, by the way. Oh, but they were awesome. I, I gotta tell you, I I really liked that that opening. Like, like one that she talked she talked tough, which was like unexpected. You know, she's like a child could cover a light with their hand. You know, whatever. Yeah, that was good. Then they were just you know they were peaceful resistors and they were just taking punches. Yeah. For two people that they've known for a month. That's a long time. I know, but I mean, like, yeah, yeah. they to let yeah. their whole crew get beat down by the white cloaks that's how the tinkers are though they're not gonna give you up and like to save themselves they're never gonna give you up mm. like, <laughs> I, i'm i'm <laughs> like you see that coming and there's no way to, it's like it's like a deer no, in the headlights and you can't get out of the way you're tied to the tracks <laughs> did i just get rickrolled you did you did. <laughs> did. got general uh, <laughs> <laughs> i'm curious brendan from your first watt dimer point of view with this with the storyline with the white cloaks and things of that nature, like what were your thoughts on it in general? Like, did you expect what happened to happen? What did you think of the performances of the three main players in the storyline? Well, first of all, I thought it was extremely convenient and budget conscious that the uh, that the white cloaks wouldn't kill the tinkers, and it's just too much just, money on blood. They would have uh, to spend. Like, it seems like maybe they couldn't afford swords, so they just uh, everybody got punched instead. But anyway, no, actually, to be honest with you, 
I think Aram, you know, Aram says, right? Aram says, like, you know, they're bastards, but they wouldn't kill tinkers. And he's pretty much right. Like, White Cloaks wouldn't necessarily just, they don't just willy nilly kill people okay. anytime they All want right, well, to. Then. They're bullies. Some of them, some of them do. Valda would, I think. Pretty, pretty, he says he would yeah, at least. But, but like yeah, behind but, closed doors, not in public. Yes, which is what he says later on. Like, you don't think I'd bleed him out, you know, whatever, forswear my oaths or something like that. But they're bullies. That's okay. what they really are. White Cloak's just like, they boil down to just being bullies. And Well, then, well, go ahead. then I was wrong. Um, no, no, go ahead. Like I said, I, this was probably the storyline I enjoyed uh, the second most. It was viscerally upsetting to see Nynaeve's braid get uh, undone. Right. And she really... Oh, Egwene. Egwene. I'm sorry. Yeah, this was easily the most I've enjoyed uh, the Pegwane side of things so far. Valda's... That was a a, creepy, creepy bathing scene. That was weird. Yeah. Valda's a terrific villain, and I know he's a terrific villain because when Egwene stabs him in the back, I was upset because I was afraid he died, and I want to see him back. Like he's a good Ooh. enough he's a good enough villain that I want to see him keep recurring and then like really get his comeuppance at some point. That was a question I had. So do you think? Do we think that Valda's dead? Right? We've had no. other no. characters, no. No, they actually, they, you know, get stabbed she missed, she or stab get them in like the shoulder. They actually do That's a, a shot. They, yeah, but no, they actually do a shot. No, he's not a dead. Clear shot, like after they run out, like yeah. right after they run out of him, like kind of getting uppish. Oh really? Yeah. yeah, not like not standing up, but like he's clearly not dead. He's alive. Yeah, he's they because that's the yeah. spot where they back in the day when they would execute people. That spot, like right in the collarbone area and the neck, that's the spot that they would kill people in. They would it would just go down into the heart because you can get that, down into the heart from that spot. That was a oh. that was Achilles' finishing move in Troy. That's right. His finishing move was the no, jump he went move. Around the, no, he did the jump the back, move. Yeah, he came around. But the it was back, stabbing like, you in the clavicle. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah, because yeah. Yeah, no, you can get down into the heart from that. So Yeah, but I think it was, a, first of all, it was a shallow, it was a, it was a knife. It, That's true, it was a yeah. dagger. And Egwene is not Achilles. Also true. <laughs> yet. Yet. Yes, yes. <laughs> Although she is apparently unbreakable. She is Bruce Willis. That's Bruce Willis, yeah. Valda has That's to be. That's a different movie. Valda has to be killed by an, by an Aes Sedai with no hands. Can we talk about that too? That's what has to be. The Jim Abbott of Aes Sedai, if you will. Did she (laughs) use her hand to channel? Do you consider that using her hands? Because she did move her hand to like guide the flame. So I wanted to point out that I loved that there was that exposition scene where Valda explained that like Aes Sedai don't, like he talked to an Aes Sedai once and she said that they don't need their hands to channel. It's like a crutch. Which I was like, oh my god, this is what we were talking about in one of the earlier episodes. Thank you, Valda, for explaining that for everyone. But then I thought, <laughs> like, you, oh, Valda. okay, he did that, and he tied <laughs> her hands down so that she would have to channel without using her hands. So now he just helped her, but she did still kind of move her hand, so I'm not sure. Oh, that's a good point, Jen. If Why? that's considered moving your hands. If he was saying that women, you know, most I said I need their hands to channel... And he would have taken her hands if he thought she was Aes Sedai. Why did he tell her that? Why was he saying channel, but he had her hands strapped down? Wouldn't he have said Why would he tell her that? So like, hey, you could still channel even though you're tied down. Like, why would he give her that hint? He knows, well, I I don't know about that, but he knows she's not Aes Sedai. He knows she's not an Aes Sedai because she says flat out, I cannot channel. And and Aes Sedai could not make that statement. That's true, yeah. But he had had strapped her hands and I think said that before, right? He strapped. Beforehand. Sorry. Well, 
I think I think it's also like a taunting kind of a thing. Like you don't need to do it, but you have to do it because it's a crutch. Okay. And like if if he can get an Aes Sedai in that position, she can't fight back because she needs to like wave her arms around or whatever. Yeah. He does actually say, I know you're not an Aes Sedai because you would have already channeled right. before we got to this point too. So you're right. He um, also like her hands are her hands are her wrists are bound. Her hands like she moves her she's yeah. able to move her hands around and her fingers yeah. and stuff. It's not like Maybe he thinks like the more movement they can get with their arms, the stronger they can channel. So he's like, let me just strap her, her wrist down and then she can only channel a little bit because only her hands can move. Maybe. I, <laughs> I was uh, I was thinking too, too when we were when we were talking about the other Aes Sedai and like how did he capture her, like the one he burned at the stake. Yeah. Maybe Aes Sedai are like not channeling around them because they're thinking like, oh, I can get out of here without channeling and without them knowing I'm I Sedai, and then somehow they just like overpower them before. Because like Moraine yeah. even like hit her ring. She Moraine wasn't like let's go in there, guns blazing, blast all these white cloaks out of well, here. She, she can't was, though because she's bound by the oaths. She can't just go in there and start true. attacking that's true, white cloaks. That's true. So like the, like they maybe they just overpower the Aes Sedai before they realize they're they're coming after them, and then they just that's it. They tie them yeah. up and they got them. But, but if they also, can't, it's you're right. You're right. I forgot about that. They can't just attack people. Yeah. So. Yeah, okay. Then maybe they could figure that, let me try and get out of the situation, and then it's too late. Also, as we talked about when we talked about that scene in, what was that, episode two? Like, the Aes Sedai aren't aren't invulnerable. Like, they get hurt all the time. They get, you know, I mean, it seems like it's probably more difficult for a regular person to take them out. But if they get overwhelmed or overpowered or even just ambushed. Right. Yeah. Like, if uh, Maureen was alone and was having that conversation... Just go up around behind her and just like knock her out. Right. And then that's it. You got her. That's why she said usually we don't travel alone. So if that girl was alone, then like they just got her. Yeah. Perrin, uh, uh, golden <laughs> eyes. He's got yellow eyes at some point. He, he kind of looks up and all of a sudden he's got yellow eyes. Brendan, what's going on? What are your thoughts when you see Perrin look up when he's getting tortured by Valda with a wine knife? I don't know what that was. Was I'm he putting sure. wine on the knife to make it hurt more or to be cleaner? I'm not really sure uh, yeah, what's going on there. Oh, see, I thought it was coffee because it was in a pitcher. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was hot, too. Yeah, I got that impression. I was going to say, all right, so I, don't I mean, know. not not really spoilers, but there really isn't coffee in the world until later <laughs> on. Well, till another culture brings in the coffee. Oh, my God. Spoilers. Spoilers. I you just spoil it. The whole show's garbage. Toss it. That's I my spoil. favorite thing that I've ever heard on this show. <laughs> what? <laughs> there's, there's a fucking origin the... story for coffee later. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta be, wait, 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 wait. It builds up over a yes. couple of books. Um, they find the a bean. Important, <laughs> the all-important chock-full-of-nuts story arc in book nine. Like, Jesus. Um, anyway, so, I think we're missing the forest for the trees talking about yeah. talking about uh, I know that was wine. Was it coffee or wine? <laughs> well, that's a big difference there. We're talking anyway, about like yeah, I know so beans, brought it beans up, or but. grapes. What are we talking about here? What do you think's happening with his eyes, Brendan? That's uh, I guess uh, well, he didn't turn into a werewolf, which was disappointing. Which is where <laughs> I thought that was going, but you know, obviously, in, in previous episodes, he's had, like, this connection with these seemingly random wolves who maybe aren't actually all that random. You know, because it happened twice. It happened when he was getting cut up the first time, and then it happened again the second time, and then the wolves were just there. So maybe he was 
whether he knew it or not, like somehow summoning, I, I don't, I shouldn't say that. He didn't know what he was doing, I don't think, but he was sort of like instinctively calling a couple of wolves. <laughs> it was, to, uh, so I, th- to help him. I think it was a decent amount of wolves because there was like one free white cloak to try and stop them. Yeah. All the rest of them were getting eaten. <laughs> I, we, I, we saw a couple, I think it was meant to be a bunch of wolves. We saw a couple of wolves. Yeah. Most of it was happening. Like there's a leg. There was I, there was literally one that uh, you saw the shadow of a wolf inside a tent. Yeah, yeah. Which was a little... It wasn't, but it just made me think of like Mystery Science Theater 3000 kind of thing. Like, yeah, there's definitely a wolf here. <laughs> there's definitely so, a wolf. Do you think those are the same wolves, Brendan, from the first encounter? Because you mentioned how like the wolves have been reappearing throughout. Are they following them? Um, maybe. Or maybe he just calls, has the ability to call wolves in the general vicinity of where he happens to be. So I want to get into this because this this is something that I that was bothering me as I was listening to this. We hear the wolves, right? The first time that Perrin's getting tortured, we hear like wolf howling, right? And nobody else seems to acknowledge it, right? We talked about whistling in earlier episodes. And then we even get like the sound, the Shatter Logoth sound, that weird like whispering, rustling sound in this episode as well with, I think, in scenes with Matt. Are these actual sounds that are being heard in the show or is that just the ambient music playing to try to cue the audience in? Because I, I have no fucking clue. I think it's... Yes. I think, Sorry, go ahead. No, you first. I, I don't think it's sounds that you're hearing in the show because nobody is looking around going, what the fuck is that whistling? Like, there's no... There's no indication that anybody that anybody in the show can hear what we're hearing when those like when the howling starts or when the whistling starts or whatever it may be. I'm confused because it seems sometimes it is real, though. (laughs) That's what's confusing me. I'm going to differ a little bit. I think that the only person who may hear the Shadow logo is Matt. Like, I think he might be the only person. I think that's the dagger talking to him. Do you think Perrin is hearing the wolf sounds? When your first time he's getting tortured, yeah, and you hear the howling wolves, the first thing that happens is like the regular sound goes down, and there's this kind of like, mm, and then you hear wolves howl. That happens before when they first meet the Tinkers, and he hears the Tinkers coming before Egwene does. So yes, he I does. think I think that this is he hears the wolves howling because to Brendan's point, the wolves now know that like somehow he needs them. So I think that he legitimately hears that, but nobody else can hear it because yeah, I feel like the first time we magic hear the wolves, parent hearing. Yeah, you're right. I think the first time we hear the wolves, Perrin hears it, but the second time everybody hears it. Well, because the wolves yeah. are in the camp at that point, eating people. Yes, I think they were just a little bit busy. The people in that tent to react to the the wolves howling, but the Shadow Logoth, like that sound, I don't think that Rand ever hears that. But I think that yeah. Matt hears that a lot. Yeah, the whistling. Let's talk about that. Let's cut. The whistling is is happening, and we see that person whistling. We see the person who is whistling in this show. So we've got two. Go ahead, John. Do you see him actually pursing his lips and whistling in this episode? No. The sound happens, I think, before you. So, Brendan, did you spot Pat and Fane twice in this episode? I spotted Pat and Fane once. Three? Three? Three. Third time. You spotted him twice, and you the two pictures you posted on our Discord, Joe, omit the most obvious, clearest, like he's forefront in the camera, but it's only his arm, 
and he's oh, like right the middle. same no scene, Joe though. pictures yeah but like it's the biggest like it's clearly him it's clearly okay. his but he jacket appears twice and, so you're saying the most obvious one is just his jacket, not the other two, which have his face in it. No, but it's in there he for a long time, and it's like right, it's yeah. right in frame. Yes. Oh. It's the focus of the shot. It's just very quick, and you'll you have to see post the timestamp on. that. I wouldn't call that a third time, though. I think that's part of the second time. No. Okay. Because it's like literally cuts from like you see his front to to a camera like right behind his back, and then he leaves the frame. Yeah, you've got it's like the right whistling after each other. Right, you've got the whistling one when Matt and Rand get into Tarvalon and they go to the inn. You hear the whistling. It, uh, by the way, mm-hmm. we have a we have a shot of Pad and Fane and a barber together, which is just <sighs> magnifique. With a barber. <laughs> and then we get later on, we get another shot of Pad and Fane when uh, Rand Rand just first meets Loyal and he's looking out the window and he sees Matt walking along the street and he's like, "I got to go outside." And you see it cuts back to the street and you see Pad and Fane sitting down and he must i think he's eyeing matt matt's not in frame though and then you hear him laugh which first of all i didn't the first time i watched it i did not hear him laugh no i missed complete missed him completely the first time i watched it yeah did not see him at all and now it's like completely obvious how could you ever miss it now when i'm looking at it but it's like you were looking at other things on screen you just miss yeah, it yeah. which is what they want but so we've got but two- i'm Go ahead, can i talk about the whistling really quick because yeah, i don't ahead. think the whistling is like we were just talking about it, the whistling is in the the soundtrack, not on screen. It's like his Only theme. It's like a Leone movie. The first movie. time we heard it, it was before he was there. It was the night before when the Merdral was in the town square at Emmons Field, and the whistling started, and then it merged. It, and then it merged. It faded into his whistling. Yes, that was beautiful. And he done, was act. That was he was actually whistling at that point, and yeah. then. We heard it in Shader Logoth, right? A little bit. I, I don't know if he was supposed to be there or not, but he I wasn't he was, on screen. I think he was definitely we there. We didn't see him like the way we see him in this episode. So I think the whistling is like a... It's his theme. It's like a... It's, it's like just an his old theme, but, it, but he's not... Whist- like, he might whistle sometimes, but every time we hear the whistling, it's, I don't think it's him whistling. It's a, yeah, it's like, like an Rand old Like, and Matt movie. wouldn't have heard him whistling. It's just his... Brendan, what is Pad and Fane's deal? What's going on? Why is why are we hearing whistling throughout? Why is he in Tarvalon? Your thoughts? Your predictions? Oh, I think he's a um, almost definitely a dark friend. He was in Two Rivers when the Trolloc attack started, and he just kind of dusted his hands off and left. So I, I think he's somehow hooked up with uh, with that side of things. And he went off to Tarvalon, whether, beca- whether it was because he somehow knew that's where they'd be going or just because Tarvalon's where you go. I hear all roads lead there. Yeah, well, that's definitely how roads work. So. <laughs> Before we get too much more into the, uh, the soundtrack, are we really going to move on from Pegwain without talking about how he confessed? No. Yeah, well, we got we to gotta do our obligatory Leila Barra discussion. <laughs> Perrin so, confesses. Oh, go ahead. So, right, Valda gives them an ultimatum, basically saying, Egwene, channel, and I'll kill you, and I'll let him go. If you don't channel, I'm going to kill him. So there's like, and he's like, I'll let you decide. And he leaves. Perrin says, it should be me. I deserve to die. And he tells, he confesses, right? How many episodes, right? We had the count going. It was yeah. five episodes five before. Episodes. We haven't seen Steve yet. Steve's still not there. Maybe Steve's, he could have been in the crowd. He could have I feel like we would have known. I feel like the Wheel somebody of Time would, would have let us somebody know. Would, somebody would if have Steve told us. Was in Steve, the, was... Steve was there. Yeah, so Perrin confesses. This is a great scene. I love this scene, you know, partially because 
you know, Egglang says to him something about, you know, you got to forgive yourself and. Yeah, so she tells Perrin <laughs> flat out, and I think I have it here, Joe. Hold on. She says, um, You're a murderer. She says, You're a murderer. That's what Tom says. She keeps telling him, It's like, it's not your fault. One day you're going to realize that. One day you'll know it's not your fault. I promise. Yes. Right? Well, that was and after she, he admitted it, though. Yes. 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 Yeah. Okay. And she says, I promise. She says something about for the rest of your life. She's like, Yeah. She's basically you're telling him, You're going to be yeah. alive after today. Trust me. Right. I got this. So I have three thoughts about this, right? Three possibilities of what Egwene meant. And I want to I wanna get everybody's opinion on them. One, she's going to get them out, right? She's going to be like, don't worry about it. I'll get us out of here. We'll all be alive and we'll be free and we'll be fine. Two, she's going to sacrifice. She's going to channel and sacrifice herself and say, you know, I'll channel. They'll kill me and you'll go free, which I have a question about that afterwards too, a follow-up question. Or... Three, which I'm not going to say right now because it's a spoiler one. So I'm going to say that for the spoiler. <laughs> I was reading it. I was like, wait, I'm not going to say that right now because that's a spoiler. <laughs> I assumed two when I watched it. Never yeah. thought one. But now I'm thinking maybe it was one. Originally, I thought it was two, right? She's going to sacrifice yeah. herself. And then when she does her little <laughs> her little flaming poof, which was and hilarious. then you realize she's, she's burning uh, Perrin's ropes. And I was like, oh, maybe she was planning this all along. What are your thoughts? Do you think she was planning that all along? That she wasn't sacrificing herself? That she was like, I'm going to get us out of here, Perrin. Wink, wink. I don't think she was planning it all along because there was no way for her to plan Perrin's dramatic confession of accidentally killing his wife and having to have this like encouraging speech for him. I actually do think it's one. I think she um, she was telling him, like, you're going to have the rest of your life to forgive yourself for this because I'm going to get us out of here. But but I think what she meant was by I'm going to get us out of here was I'm going to burn your ropes. I think the tiny fireball, which, I again, I, I loved. I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> was misdirection. Like she was trying she was yeah. trying to she was drawing Valda's attention while simultaneously getting oh. Perrin free. Uh, yeah. You guys I did not think. Flame nope, went nope, through nope, Valda's nope. body and no. then burned the ropes. No, the no, same I, no. I disagree one million percent. No, I, I agree, think, with, I agree no, with Brendan. I think literally she's like, here's what I got. And it was that. She goes, well, it'll burn a rope. I do not think. She's like, my clever plan is I'll distract him with a fake attack and then burn these ropes. I do not think that she thought that. But it's that. not the same. It's not. So what are you saying? That she, her, her poof fireball at Valda somehow got redirected towards Perrin's rope? That's what I thought. I think she goes, I'm going to channel. First of all, I think it's definitely number two, 100%. She's like, don't worry. I am going to get you out of this situation, not we're get us out of this. She goes to channel. She channels as much as she can. That's what it is. And she goes, okay, I can't kill a guy, but I can burn a rope. So I think it's very quick redirection of the channeling. But I don't so you think, think she... She potentially like, oh, I'm going to try to kill Valda. It didn't work. Oh, let me see if I could burn these ropes. Like, yes, that I, think, was like, oh, I, think, I think that. I think, I think she's B. like, this, if this is how much, I think literally it's instantaneous. I have this much power. I can burn a rope. And the parent's strong enough to break it as long as I can get it going. And I think that's what it was. I don't think I don't, that. I don't agree. I, th- because I thought she was I, tricking I, him by going through, like, it just like somehow went through him. I thought it went through him and then hit the rope behind him. No, it's uh, so it's weak it hits him and does nothing. Yeah. I thought it just like went I through think, his stomach. I mean, I think it's all subject to interpretation. However, 
I don't think there's any character in this show so far that we've seen. And maybe there's no character in all of fiction dumb enough to actually believe Valdo when he says, if you channel, I'll just kill you and let your friend go. No, he's not. Like, <laughs> of course he's not going to just let him go. That was my second question. That was my follow-up question. Do you think he would have actually He is obviously word? lying. <laughs> he, yeah. he as much as tells her, I, I am I not a person who keeps my promise. <laughs> there is no way, yes, none, that Egwene believes Valdo will let Perrin go if she just channels and lets him kill her. Okay. None. Yeah. Shall we move? <laughs> Let's move on. We've, I think we've pegwained enough. Um, we Can haven't I talked. Just, uh, Go ahead, Jen. Oh, Sorry. No. I was going to say the Layla thing really quick. Go ahead. So Madeline Madden in an interview did, did confirm that Perrin had feelings for Egwene, and that was the strain on their marriage. I just don't think that was portrayed at all on the show. I don't know if no. it was on the cutting room floor. It was. But that is, and that is the motivation for that. Right. There's, yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a lot of stuff. There is a lot of stuff in this show that I think we're supposed to know without them telling us at all or showing us at all, which is um, one of the big issues I have with the, with, the, with another storyline. But I, I assume we'll get to that. Well, let's go to let's jump to the the White Tower. The Interesting prison. <laughs> um, we haven't really talked much about that, right? We we talked a little bit about Stepin and his whole storyline. Uh, we get Moraine and Lan. We've got Nynaeve in the White Tower. We've got Leandrin, and we get Leon. Um, sorry, Alana in there. We've got a lot of things going on. We get some a little bit of a look into the Aes Sedai and their politics, although very small look, to be honest with you. I think it's a very there's a first step into that world. Yes, it's like a little introduction yeah. into that world. It sounds like this was your favorite storyline in this episode, or your yeah, least definitely. favorite. All the stuff about the mostly the wars, but yeah, also the Aes Sedai. Because I I feel like the um, the stuff about the the politics of the Aes Sedai is like a primer for what's going to happen in the next episode. I assume when the when the head Aes Sedai gets back and they have to deal with uh, what they did with Loghain. Right. Uh, but yeah, all the I thought all the war stuff was really interesting. And like I you know like I said like I said before and like like Tom said before the all the stuff about Stefan being as depressed as he was and as mourning uh, Karini the way he was. But it was a, a look at what the relationship is like between the Aes Sedai and the Warder. And I thought Rosamund Pike and Daniel Henry both did a very good job of, how do I put this, without making the scenes about them, made it clear that the story was about them. Like it was about them both being concerned about what's going to happen to the other one if they die. Yeah. Yeah, you've got a lot of that. Um, they've been on this long journey that seems like it's coming to a head. Yeah. In the first, not the first scene, but the first scene after the credits, like Moraine literally describes Lan as her home. And right. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. No, I was going to say one scene that I really liked in the White Tower was there was a conversation between Nynaeve and Leandrin. Oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> I know. I'm jumping. No, um, okay. You're not the only one. <laughs> so they have a conversation, and Nynaeve just kind of flat out says something about, like, the red Reds hate men, basically, just being blunt as Nynaeve is want to be. Yeah. And you get a little bit of history or a little bit of uh, behind the, you know, behind the curtains of Leandrin. She mentions 
she seems like she's talking, you know, just off the cuff, but it's, but it sounds like it's some personal experience she's had in the past. And she mentions, uh, I'm paraphrasing, but men still control much of the world. Uh, but they're really kind to little girls who show a spark of being greater than they are. And she kind of like her eyes kind of look off as she's saying that as like almost like she's had an experience in the past with this. And that's why she is who she is. I just want to say one one quick thing. I think it was Master of the Deck who tweeted this. I'm not 100% sure. But it was that line and then the, a picture of the Onion headline where it's just like, worst person you know makes a great point. <laughs> <laughs> really um, that's a good one. So... <laughs> I think just just on the side as we're talking as we start talking about this, there were a number of really really good scenes between the Aes Sedai and the Tower that made me think of the end of the third Harry Potter movie uh, when they're in the Shrieking Shack and it's like Gary Oldman and it's David Thewlis <laughs> and you don't know Rickman. what's going on. No, no, not only that, but it's just like <laughs> children stand in the corner. We're going to act now, and oh, it was okay. like real actors, oh, like yes, really acting. One, yeah, you know, that was one hundred percent that. Yeah, and like it was like like that scene was very good, but like. The Kate Fleetwood, uh, Rosamund Pike scene later on, I thought was terrific. I think the the Priyanka Bose Rosamund Pike scene. Every conversation is about multiple things yeah. while it's like while like they're talking, and I thought they were just very masterfully acted. I really, really did. You know, that's Aes Sedai. I'm going to let you know we're going to get a lot of that with Aes Sedai. Is like there's going to be multiple multiple levels to the conversation and the words that are being spoken with them. I completely, completely agree with Tom. Stop the presses! But um, <laughs> this this sounds. I'm so, this sound, I'm so this glad sounds, you're the you're the guest. <laughs> you're our host. <laughs> this sounds meaner than I want it to, but all of the stuff with the Aes Sedai and all of the stuff with the Warders feels like it's from a slightly different and much better show than the other <laughs> storylines. I'm gonna open the curtains for you, Brendan, and that okay. is because. That whole stuff isn't doesn't happen in the books. That whole storyline. <laughs> I'm serious. Your reason it feels different to you, and this okay. is a, this is something that I have an issue with in the in the show is that it the stuff that's not book stuff seems very different than the stuff that is book stuff, and they're okay. not. I feel like they're not meshing it as well as they could be together. And Brennan, this whole like the Perrin and Egwene stuff is it's not exactly like the books, but. Mm-hmm. It's following the book storyline, the Matt and Rand stuff. Not exactly like the books, but it's following the book storyline in general. The Moraine land, Nynaeve, and that stuff does not happen at all in the books. It's all written for the show. None of this happens in the books. This episode, more than any other episode. They never go to Tarvalon and die in the world. Really, to my mind, there's one scene, and it's very, very quick. That is close to what happens in the books in this episode. And is it's that the, the loyal? It's with loyal the, scene? the loyal scene. Yeah. The loyal, I think. I the, think the loyal scene is actually his dialogue. I think might be directly quoted from the books. Yeah, it felt like it. I didn't check, but so, it felt yeah, like it. Yeah, it was. It was condensed. And obviously, no, yeah, some of the it's lines, in a different. Yeah. That that scene happens in a different place, and so there's a different way that it ends, and whatever else. But like that was pretty much it. And then like everything else was like kind of the same, but different. And like all the White Tower stuff, I, I I think was 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 radically different. But I also think, and this is not enough because I think that the performers, like the the, the Evans Fields actors, are very good. I thought that Marcus Rutherford and 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 Madeline Madden were I don't think... unbelievably good at this. But like the Aes Sedai got to like here's dialogue because 
chew and just <laughs> eat this big six. Yeah, like I don't, yeah. I don't think any of the the two rivers kids are bad. It's just every, it's just all the other stuff was so much better in my opinion. That is. This is so fascinating to me. So this is great, Brendan. I'm glad we have you here because it's interesting. It's so great that you were able. So the interesting part is that we all are able to distinguish that there's some sort of different feel to these different storylines, right? Because I'm feeling a different, I'm getting a different vibe and a different feel from the, from the totally purely original content that the writers are creating versus the stuff that's from the books. And you're right. getting that same feeling as well. We have different feelings about it, but that's yeah. because I've, we've read the books and right. we have it. But the, the difference in the feeling is there. And I feel like I'm saying feel a lot. Everyone, <laughs> everyone, everyone drink every time I say the word feel while you're watching this. I ran out of drinks already. They're uh, going to need to somehow close that gap, I think, in the writing. Yeah. Yes. Because that's, that's unsustainable. It can't be two shows. Right. The whole time. Yeah. And I would put on my uh, Karnak the Magnificent hat, but the next episode is also going to have a lot of stuff that doesn't happen in the books. <laughs> yeah. They're still in Tarvalon, and right. the Amberlynn Seed is coming, and in the but, series, in the book series, you know, she's not in the eye of the world. So, But they could be, if they're, they're pulling stuff from the second book, so we might get scenes more towards the second book that just happened in the first ser- in the first season. So you might get this, this the scenes might feel like book scenes even though they don't happen till later on, but we don't know that yet. We don't know in, until we see it. In the books, does the Amarillo seat show up before or after coffee? Before. <laughs> There's no before. coffee. <laughs> there is coffee, but before. it's bef- it comes after the Amarillo seat shows up. Okay. The cough. Okay. Cough. Cough. That's what we said. Oh. Yeah, it's a, it's a New York C- accent. It's cough. B E E R. Speaking of feeling like two different shows, after the scene where Leandrin and Nynaeve are talking, it ends with Leandrin telling Nynaeve the gardens in the library are that way. And yeah. then it's the weirdest cut. It's the yeah. like most jarring jump cut maybe that I've ever seen. To the point where I had to, like, when I first watched it, I had to, like, check my watch and then rewind to make sure I hadn't fallen asleep and missed a scene, <laughs> which the three of you know is not beyond the realm yes. of possibility. Yeah. Um, because, like, she's immediately in Matt and Rand's room with Loyal, who she's never met before, as far as we know. <laughs> yeah, I and had a problem with this scene. Weird. It was so out and of context. It's like, and then, like, so many things have to happen. To get them there, yeah. To hide to hide that in the jump cut is like I 100 percent agree with you, Brendan. It's, it's, I, I yeah, yes, <laughs> I agree. I, no one's. I think everyone's on the same page. To the point where a lot I of have things not, happened, then, but then like, without, and then like even this, not like, on the scene, even the scene, like even the scene itself is rushed because Loyal comes into the room and he's like, "I found the woman you're looking for," burp, burp, burp. and like. That he was talking like perfect. the woman he was, was talking. The woman he was talking <laughs> like he was talking about Egwene, who right. he expects to show up in Tarvalon, and then it's Nynaeve, who he thinks is dead for right. like months now, and he's just like, "Oh, hey, it's Nynaeve," and he's like, he's like mildly surprised. <laughs> yeah, I had a, yeah, I had a big problem with that cut too. Um, it's just like I, I, again, like I. I had to I had to check to make sure I hadn't like blacked out or fallen asleep because again I was watching it very early in the morning and, Maybe and then when I determined when I determined that I yeah, I hadn't it was just ugh 
I think a lot of presumptions had to have been made. To see um, Loyal approaching Nynaeve in the gardens with the, to, not to try to get her to go yeah. with him. I mean, I don't need that, but I need no. the, I need there to be time in between scene one and scene another two. Scene, if there was another right, scene, right. and then it goes, and it's now it's later in the day, and Rans and Matt, and then Loyal comes in. So Loyal's excitement about being able to recognize the braid and the braiding ceremony and what that means for two rivers and like not realizing that there's an emotional connection like reunion happening in front of him that is brilliant and i think that ahmed is so unbelievably well cast as the character that i'm willing to forgive a lot of the scenes that he's in but you're you're 100 right while there is a in storyline excuse for the series of wild coincidences that need to happen for this to work. Like they haven't right. explained that yet. It's not even coincidences. It's just, there's no explanation whatsoever. It's literally like, what no, happens could, in between. It's like, like, you don't have a, to there's tower. no conversation of Rand yeah. saying of, of talking about Nynaeve or talking about any of he that. He talks about Egwene. Well, he, he, he doesn't know. Like, he thinks loyal, he's thinks, loyal thinks that he's found the girl. Cause he never mentions the name. But right. but there's no conversation of Rand saying, "Oh, well, we were all supposed to meet at the White Tower." No, he is. And- I came to I I came here because she was coming here. He, he does. Says that. He does say that. She's oh, coming. and so that like, loyal says, right. "Oh, I found that. someone from Two Rivers with a braid. This must be the person that like that works in the story. What doesn't work is the super abrupt jump cut and the that scene needed an extra minute of them like reconnecting. Of yeah, of He's also, like now you're alive. Thank uh, the also, light. Matt needs to be worse in that scene. And that didn't work for me either. I also think Rand just accepted her being alive without asking any questions. Like, if that was you and somebody you thought who died appeared in front of you, you'd be like, okay, you're alive. Oh, my God. Like Rand says. But then you'd be like, what happened? And we well, don't get any of like, how did you, why are you here? Yeah, how did you, like, what happened? That would be like your next thing to say. You'd be like, oh, my God, you're alive. This is great. How did this happen? And it's not even like he, they didn't have to explain, like we didn't need to see him say that and then her explain the whole story. We just need to say, we just needed like, oh my God, Nynaeve, you're here, you're alive. What happened? And then Nynaeve say something like, oh, I'll tell you why. And then it cut away. Like just to like get or, that. Or or like, Nynaeve, you're alive. I'm so happy. It's like, blah, blah, blah. I, 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 we haven't seen blah, blah, blah. And then like, if Matt does something really off-putting, at that moment to interrupt the conversation, then it's all right to not have the conversation. It starts off well with like, is it really you? I like that a lot. And then it's don't yeah. touch me. Then she's like, oh, he's near death. And I'm like, he's near death? He just Did looks like he's got death? the flu. Yeah, she does. She says yeah. like, um, you, you're alive, barely. I think is what she says. Mm. And, yeah. but like, and it's like clear she means it. And I'm like, it's- he was just walking into the city. He doesn't seem near death. He seems to be really like, he, like, he has the flu. I don't know. Maybe she uh, can sense something from him with her newfound abilities. Maybe. Maybe. But I feel like on the front end and the back end of that scene, that scene needed more time and didn't have it. And like that, I agree. And I, I'm assuming now, by process of elimination, this is the part of the show that Brendan disliked the most. And um, I oh, well, yeah, the, the, yeah. That scene was my least favorite scene in the show. I think everything about Matt and Rand and Tarvalon felt vaguely off. It was another situation where, like I said in the in the first episode, like they left town because the episode was over. It kind of felt <laughs> like Matt and Rand got to Tarbalon because they didn't have anything else for Matt and Rand to do. And Would- then, like they have this 
really awkward, jarring cut where Nynaeve is reunited with Matt and Rand. And like, I understand that they don't want to, they don't want, they can't bring Matt and Rand to the tower yet because they're afraid that, uh, if Matt's channeling, the, the, the Aes Sedai are going to gentle him. And it's a nice little Rand, uh, Matt says when they first get there, I thought we were going to the White Tower. And Rand says, no, we can't go there yet. Right. And he and makes an excuse. He makes an excuse for Matt's, right. you know, for Matt's benefit, which is, right. I, I think, very clever. But then, like, they have this scene, and then Matt and Rand aren't in the rest of the episode. And Nynaeve is barely in the rest of the episode. She doesn't even have any more lines. She's in the background of the funeral scene at the end. I almost feel like, well, again, without, without, without knowing, that's before that, um, oh. like, without exactly knowing what happens in episode six, that could have been the first scene of episode six. So where I'll where like this. Nynaeve and then time has passed and you can infer that in that time Nynaeve has met Loyal and Loyal Loyal has brought them to the you know that's true right she goes to the she meets up with Matt, Miranda Matt and then all of a sudden she's back in the tower again well the scene after that in contrast I love the scene after that where it's Nynaeve and Rand talking I think that, that is oh, the the breakbone fever story well, about that's it. Different, but like I will talk about that more, I guess, later, because that's that's a story from the books that has a different meaning in the books. And the same story, but something you get something else out of it. But she explicitly says, I will not tell anyone you were here. Right. We're going to wait for Perrin and Egwene to come. Mm-hmm, and then we're right. going to leave. We're gonna figure it out ourselves. She's like, like I'll hear what I can and we'll yeah, right. We'll figure it out. So like she, there's nobody in the tower that she should even let know that she left. Yeah, you're right. Like, so there shouldn't right. be a scene where she, maybe there's a scene where she's sneaking back in. I don't know, but like, it shouldn't happen. No, I'm not. I'm not. Like, I'm I, not saying. I'm not saying there should be. I'm saying you can do all of this next time. I imagine that you the next almost, episode is going to be almost definitely do all of this next time. And like yeah. that could those scenes could again I've without having there. seen episode six or knowing exactly what's going to happen. Those scenes could be the cold open of episode six. Yeah, I agree. It wouldn't bother. It wouldn't bother me that much, if not for the fact that that cut is so, so is jarring and so bad. The cut is so yeah. Bad. I, so I want to say there's. I'll put it later. There's a there's a good thing that I like that happened. There's the conversation earlier on with Nynaeve and, and Moraine, that really essentially sums up Nynaeve's character. Literally, this is Nynaeve's character in a nutshell, and. She's having a conversation with Maureen, and she says something to the effect of, like, all I care about is my people. That is literally Nynaeve's character in a nutshell. She yeah. cares about her people, and that's that's literally is that's it. every decision that she makes is based off of that, I think, in the books. Or, or, or I'm, I'm saying in the books, but in the story, like, that's her grounding point. Her, she makes her decisions based off of that. She's... Yeah dedicated to her people and she wants to protect them and that's that what that's what drives her so yeah. i'll say this there's another scene that happens in the show with Nynaeve that i think is the second key part of Nynaeve's character and it's also clearly illustrated that Nynaeve feels compelled if someone is hurt or needs healing to help them and yes. the fact that like like when Steppen comes to her and the fact that she's so concerned about him and obviously there's layers there too again the story with Steppen is not about Steppen it's about Lan, about Moraine. And I'm sure on some level, that's why Nynaeve cares so much about trying to get him to be better. But it's also like, hey, I've got the herbs that you've never, you know, whatever. Like, I can help you sleep. And, like, the fact that she's compelled to care. And she does care. I think that the care is legitimate. 
even if they may have like subconscious yeah. interior motives. She sympathizes. She empathizes with him. And but no, but I think she's also like, if someone is hurt, I need to help them because that is what I do, and that is who mm-hmm. I am. And I didn't get that sense from her in the first episode at all, honestly. But when she returns in episode three, mm-hmm. that's when I start to see that happen a lot more. Like, and Lan mm-hmm. calls it right away. He's like, "You're gonna, like, I know you're gonna heal her. Like, I know you're not gonna let her die because that's not what you do." So I, I, I think that her character is becoming much clearer over these last few episodes. Not her power set that's incidental, like who she is as a person. So we get we get a culmination of the episode. Perfect segue. Stepan uses that the goat's tongue plant that Nynaeve gives him to help him sleep, and he uses it to spike Lan's tea or whatever Lan's drinking. Mm-hmm. Um, so Lan will fall asleep. Yeah. Um, they're talking about uh, Lana possibly bonding him, you know, to help him out, and Stepan's having none of it. So he spikes Lan's tea, and he goes and he kills himself. Which is where I, I mean, I personally knew this was going to be happening. It's not, a, this is not in the books. I'm just saying that, but right. I knew that this was going to wind up happening. That <laughs> Stefan was going to kill himself at some point. I think Peter Franzen, thank that lucky stars they got this guy to play this part. I said it to myself watching the show three different times watching this episode. They're so lucky they cast this actor in this part because it's a very difficult thing to play someone who's got so many layers to him and does not have a lot of time to reveal those. And to have that be natural. He goes to Nynaeve pretending to be drunk to get her to get him to sleep. Because he knows that Lan is going to come to him later on. That's I didn't think he was pl- pretending to be drunk. It's a I think plan. he was still you, drunk. Nope, no, I think he was planning on it, but I still think he was drunk. Yeah, but that is, if you watch it again. If you watch it again. it three times. No, I'm telling you, watch <laughs> that scene again. And watch it just go. Not okay, I'm going to watch the scene and I'm going to say. What is Steppen's plan here? And Steppen's plan is to get that drug. No, drug, I agree the, with you. I no, think yeah, that was his plan, uh, but I still think he was drunk while he yeah, was doing well, no, it. No, no, no. I don't think it was like a <laughs> fake drunk, but I think that like uh, okay. the fact that he came in drunk was part of the plan. And like he wanted to show her okay. that he was in such pain that he's drinking in the middle of the day. But like the whole thing is like he knows Lan's going to come later and like offer to spend the night with him. And that's going to interfere with his ability to kill himself in the morning. So, like, yeah. he's got to drug him. Even, like, in the, the first scene where they're dressing him in white, and Lan's like, you know, you can, yeah, Alana. And he's like, lose more rain, and then talked. Yeah. His ability to, like, have, like, the the guy talk and the camaraderie, and to have the pain, and to have the suffering, and to have the anger, and to have all of that, and to be able to, like, be calculating at the same time and have it all be believable. I thought the actor did a tremendous job with this. Even though, yeah, I was pretty sure that this he wasn't lasting this episode. Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. Um, one thing this is gonna this is going to sound again. This is going to sound like a negative criticism, and I don't mean it to. Land screws up a lot, and I, I actually really like that about the character because I think the you know the the popular way to go or the the natural way to go is um is to make the the tough guy almost infallible, and he screws up all the time. Like he takes them into Shadow Logoth and they all get separated. He gets tracked the whole time by just some girl, you know, or seemingly just some girl. And then he very nearly gets killed and and then he gets poisoned and lets his friend who he's supposed to be guarding kill himself. Yeah. It makes the character much more interesting than what he initially presents as, which is like this samurai robot who's just there to kill monsters. Yeah. Yeah. He's a super badass. And I think that he has like people, I think, look to him for like some sort of leadership. 
I think that he has that kind of like leadership charisma, but he's not necessarily the best critical thinker. Right. Yeah. That's a good, that's a good observation. I like that. Yeah. He doesn't need to be. He, that's what Moraine's doing, right? Moraine's doing the thinking. Right. Yep. And we end the episode with the, the pounding ceremony. Um, Hmm. Yep. Yep. Phrasing. (laughs) He's not wrong. It's the pounding ceremony. We get a lot of emotion uh, from Lan and, you know, the, the funeral of Steppen. Any final thoughts before we cut over to the uh, spoiler portion of the episode? On the on the subject of the funeral scene, uh, we haven't talked about it that much, but Rosamund Pike is very good at acting. Yeah, yeah. she's very yeah. exceptional. Her, uh, her empathy during that scene is yeah. very... I feel like it kind of subtly overshadows Daniel Lenny. In that scene, I, w- I wouldn't go that I wouldn't go that far, but I, I yeah, she's, subtly, she's she's real good. She's good very choice. very good choice. She's very good at what she does. Yeah, very good. <laughs> Thus concludes our spoiler-free portion of the episode. Are we going to do, do the star ratings? I have to update the spreadsheet. Oh yeah, star rating. Brendan always reminds us of the star ratings. Everyone, uh, Jen, out of five stars, what would you rate this episode? I'm gonna go four point five. I think wow. it was better than better than. Last week. Is this your favorite episode then, maybe, right? Oh, it is? I don't know. Oh. Brendan has the statistics, but... Uh, in that case, I mean, it, it would be tied with episode three. Okay, tied yeah. with episode three like for your that. favorite. 4.5. Brendan? I'm going to go 3.75. Okay. Which makes this your, in the ranking of episodes, what is your favorite episode, Brendan? The uh, my, my favorite episode was the last episode. This would episode be five. my second least favorite episode. Wow. <laughs> Okay, Tom. This, I mean, the stuff that... Go ahead. No, no, no. Okay. Yeah, fine. I was actually going to say 375, too. What, what does that put this in Tom's I think that might episodes? be my least, my lowest ranked episode. That ties it with the pilot. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I really like this episode. I did like this episode, but th- this episode had a couple of things that I didn't like. I thought yeah. it was easily the most uneven episode so far. Oh, okay. Interesting. You're right. There was a... There was a drastic difference in the yeah. storylines and the feel of the storylines. Yeah. I definitely felt that the most in this episode. I will give this a, uh, I think I'm going to give this a 3.5. What? You guys are crazy. No. Uh, eh. <laughs> I'll tell you this. Like, yeah, I, already typed a, it, I already typed it in. Man. Type, it's typed in. <laughs> it's not my favorite episode. My. It's not my, I think I'm still at episode three as my favorite. Then episode four is my second favorite. Then this, I don't know if this is episode, tied with episode two, maybe. Yeah, that's the same way. I, I, I like four better than three, but like in regards to like favorites, I would rank it with episode two. I deducted points for other episodes for like production things I didn't like. I think yeah. that there were structural things in this episode that I didn't like. I like, needed more loyal. I, I, need, I needed more loyal. Yeah, that's a, that's one part of it. But like I, I we talked about the 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 pacing and the the timeline of it and. Uh, yeah, there was just a couple of things that I, I didn't uh, think. All right. Thus concludes. Well with me. Now thus concludes our spoiler-free <laughs> portion of the episode. Brendan, we'd like to thank you for joining us for this portion of the episode. Thank and you for you a fond farewell. All right. Good night, guys. Good, Good night. night, Brendan. Good night. Stay tuned for our spoiler portion of the episode. And we're back with the spoiler <laughs> portion of the episode. If you have not read the books and do not want to be spoiled... Please turn off the podcast now. If you do not care, or if you have read the books, then continue to listen. And, and we're enjoy. spoiling we're spoiling all the books uh, in this episode. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how many books we're going to spoil, but 
I only have a few spoiler notes. As usual, we do a pretty good job of just talking about most of the stuff in the spoiler portion of the episode. Uh, unspoiler-free portion of the episode. I only have a few notes spoilered. Um, those stone markers, portal stones? Anyone? Anyone think those stone markers are portal I, stones? Not that they've been translated. Uh, yeah, I thought they, they were when I watched or? Yeah, they're just markers. They're like places around the... So then, follow-up the, question. Do you think stones. that... Do you think they were thrown in there as like, hey, look, these are kind of like portal stones because we're not putting portal stones in the show? No, I think they were thrown in there to show you that they don't read English in uh, in the Westlands. Really? They're just... This is what the language looks like because... I think that portal stones and waygates are the same thing in this. So you're going to see them in the next episode. <laughs> but okay, all right. That's Jen? why. That's why I don't. That's because I think you're going to see that later on. You agree? Yeah, they just look like uh, street signs, right? Jen's on the street signs. Yeah, portion. Of it. Okay, I saw them and I was like, portal stones. They're going to play a role later. We're going to get them. I did but think after, that at first. They were blast. translated. You're right, Tom, and that kind of threw a, a little rain on my parade there. So then I think of it this way, then. If they're not portal stones, then this is just like a, hey, these kind of look like portal stones because we're not giving you portal stones. Sorry. Sorry, book fans. We're not giving them to you. This is what you're going to get. I don't, yeah, I don't think we're going to get portal stones. I don't think there's any reason for them. I've got I don't one know what extreme do together. If they do the Landfair storyline in season two, I don't think they could just do it another way. Because, Jen, uh, you, what? I was going to say you mentioned Landfear. I did. You did. Just, you just now. said. You just so said the Lanfia storyline, so I'm. I was gonna segue into the Forsaken statues. Oh, I thought you you scared me like we weren't in. No, <laughs> like no, I wasn't I was supposed just... to talk about Lanfia. I'm like, no, I, I was going to use it as a segue to the uh, yes. Stepin's nice like segue. praying or doing his smoke that was awesome. ritual to Ishamael, the father of lies. We saw that he mentions the Forsaken. They pan across to eight statues. By the way, only eight statues. Oh, no. Talks about the Forsaken. Pictures have been going around online. People have been trying to identify the Forsaken out of them. Obviously, we know who Ishamael is. Clearly, Grendel is the one all the way to the right. As There's the one with the guitar, which obviously is Ismodian. Some of the other ones are a little more, I guess, ambiguous. I think people are pretty clear on a few of them, but not necessarily all of them. But I don't want to get into that discussion about what each statue is. Eight Forsaken, do you think that these eight statues are the only Forsaken that we're going to get in the show. I I hope not because of who the statues look like. And it looks like they're cutting out some of my favorite Forsaken. Well, they're all my favorite. So. Bilal. What? No, Bilal. Bilal can cut. He's the, I can hold Balthamel and Bilal out. That's no, three. The, no. Why no. No. cut Balthamel? Or Aganor. Aganor is my third favorite Forsaken, I think. Maybe fourth <laughs> favorite. I <laughs> love him. short screen time. No, but... I don't like Agnor's whatever. Oh, when he comes back as uh, Deshiva? Deshiva is the best. I love Deshiva. He's so good. Don't get rid of Agnor uh, because of don't get rid of Deshiva. I think if they cut Agnor and Balthamel, they'll still appear as Deshiva and Halima, but as like dark friend oh. channelers, like as dreadlords or whatever. Eh, it's, not, it's not the same for me. Yeah. Halima's fine. I, I think Halima you could do that with. Although, like, and that might get rid of like the weirdness. Like, I don't know. Like, I know some people are put off by the Halima storyline, uh, but but it also looks like Samuel isn't there, and Samuel might be my favorite Forsaken. And yeah, not I know just Well, not just because both of Maybe. you cast me as him, but like, yes, he's. I, I was talking about this in our Discord earlier, right? Samuel, I think, is the most is probably with the exception of maybe Lan, like Lanfear, but Lanfear, I feel, is very two note. 
Samuel is the most complicated, complex, like well fleshed out Forsaken. You get a lot of points. Not of Grendel. No, not Grendel. I think Grendel. I think Grendel well, is also one, Grendel is one note. <laughs> well, yeah, Grendel. Yeah, I think she's... is she is one note. She is. I appear sexy, but I'm really manipulative, and that's her in every scene that she's in. And then she gets to be ugly at the end. But like, that's there's true. There's not many layers. It seems like she has a lot of layers, but she's just very manipulative, and that makes her appear that she has a lot of layers. Yeah, but like the scenes with the two of them in the middle of the series really illustrate him because he's somebody who is, you know, he's smart, he's cunning, he's able to plan, he's able to manipulate and be manipulated at the same time. I think that's terrific. He's like paranoid. I think he is the most realistic, not cookie cutter villain. And it looks like he's not there. So I have a hot take. Go ahead. Maybe Stepan didn't collect them all. (laughs) He didn't collect all. Maybe Demon Dread. His parents Bellow, stopped buying him the uh, the figure, action figures. and Masana are the silver ones that you they're like like really hard to get. Those it's like are one, the rare one in a thousand. Are they are they like LOLs and they're surprised and you don't know yeah. what you're gonna get and you just those are the rare. Yeah, ones. you just oh I got two I got two Agonors. God damn it! It's like it's, it's like when you open up exactly. it's like Agonor. You, you, Every time you open it, it's Agonor. Right. You're, 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 you got a pack of you got you got a pack of baseball cards, and before you open it up, you feel it to see if there's like one that's like it feels different, a little thicker in there or whatever. Do I got a hologram card. Collect them all. Forsaken statues. Oh my god! Somebody's got to do a commercial for that. <laughs> all your Forsaken statues. Oh, Agonor. <sighs> Get Balthamel's mask. <laughs> All right, jumping to another spoiler. Oh my uh, God. <laughs> jumping to the next spoiler note that I have. Notice in the whole white cloak scene that they named Perrin, but nobody ever used Egwene's name. Like she didn't give her name, but they gave Perrin gave his name. Well, she, no, she yelled his name out. I think. Right. Well, no, he's well. I, not that I'm. I'm just getting to the point where they're actually in the tent, and he says. Uh, you know, what's his name? Oh, Perrin or whatever. But they never, they yes. never ever reference Egway's they, name. They Just like in the books, like they only know Perrin's name. And that's like something okay. that's from the books, right? They know Perrin's name and Perrin Ibar is like a name that sticks on Bayer's tongue until okay. he dies. So I thought yeah. that was an interesting little subtle nod to the books that could come into play later. That that kind of hints towards, I think we're going to get the, um, you know, that continuous White Cloak parent storyline. Although he doesn't kill White Cloak. See, I- uh, I'm sorry. No, no, no. No, 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 no. He doesn't kill White Cloaks. But even no. Father says there was a darker friend with wolf size, and then wolves killed all of my questioners. No, but I'm talking about from. So no, he. They really I mean, substituted- can walk out of there and say, Parent Ibarra. Is a dark friend who at. killed at my oh my yeah, okay, I'm sorry. I know what that's you're not, he has that's no guilt from killing a white cloak. Yes. No guilt, his guilt is from killing Layla. His guilt is killing from Layla. They yep. could have just Yes. I'm never gonna come to terms with him killing his wife in the beginning. They could have just held it off to this scene with the white cloaks and he kills the white cloaks. I guess they felt like in the story, like Perrin killing these jerk off white cloaks, people wouldn't empathize with them because they'd just be like, Perrin, they're jerk offs. You should have killed them anyway. Why are you so upset about it? Right, they torture uh, you. The it's okay of. that you kill them. They torture him in the books after he kills them. After. But and no wolves die that right. we know of yet. Yeah, and he doesn't yeah, care about the wolves. Wouldn't even care. Would he? He wouldn't care yeah. at no, this no. point if one of them did die. Yeah, that's very, I guess, hard to show on television. Like 
They killed the wolf, and Perrin had some sort of empathetic connection with the wolf. So do you think that when the wolf was barking at them, Perrin was hearing in his head, like the wolf say, like, I'm not going to hurt you? Yeah, he, was, he was like, they won't, they won't hurt us. And she was, and I think Egwene said something like, how do you know? It was almost I, like the wolf yeah. was ta- like in his head, he could hear yeah. the, yes. what the wolf was trying to communicate they to They were him. sending him images like in yeah. the book, like, go, run. He's yeah, like, just go. that we second horse is really Bella. Yeah. No. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so. Poor Bella. When's she going to show back up? Yeah. I don't know, man. This was the opportunity that everyone said that she'd somehow be with the White Cloaks. My, my Tavirin. She got to get back from Tavirin. Yeah, my third option on the scene with Egwene and Perrin when she says that he'll forgive himself. Um, so I had said originally that she was going to sac- She was going to get them out. Option two was she was going to sacrifice herself. My third option. It's not an option, but a third meaning of it is that hey, Perrin, you'll forgive yourself and get married again. Oh, I thought you were gonna. I see. <laughs> I, I thought your your third option was Perrin. I've had a dream. And I know that you'll be alive. Oh, no, no. My, my third option uh, was, Perrin, uh, you're going to forgive yourself because you're going to get married again soon. That's true. Well, maybe she did because she says, I promise. How could she promise that? She could promise that he would be alive, I guess. Is that? But- no, I, I don't think that this was, this was necessarily Egwin's meeting. I mean, this was more of the writers and the, the showrunners oh. meeting of, of the line. Yeah, you'll forgive yourself because you're going to get married soon. You have to. Yeah, although I think that I think that you can play a lot of the marital strife in the early or the relationship strife between Fayel and, and Perrin early on is like he is gonna treat her with super duper kid gloves and she's gonna hate it. Right? Like even now yeah. there's even more of a reason for him to be like, I'll never fight with Overprotective you. Overprotective of I'll not Fayol. always yeah. And she'd be like, just treat me with respect as an equal. You know? Yeah, instead of that just being Perrin's character. Right, like now there's a reason We have for to it. have a reason for You have to get a, like a well, more it's of a... Well, be- be- that uh, is a better... Palpable reason. Yeah, that's a better thing. And I do think, and we talked about this a little bit in an earlier episode, nobody, I think there's a, most people who read the books, when I say nobody, I think most people who read the books never understood why Perrin felt so bad about killing White Cloaks because they're jerks. And I think that that would translate even more on screen. I think that people would just be like, why is he really that upset? People die every other episode of the show. Yeah. I don't like it, and I still, I don't think I ever will, but I, I do understand why they made the choice. I yeah, just think they didn't cool. think they were going to be able to get across that same yeah. point. One other, this might be my last spoiler note here, uh, Loyal Travels of Jane Farstrider. There was a turn of phrase in this scene that I'm not sure quite how I quite take it. Rand's telling, talking about, he's like, oh, I knew a girl who loved to read that. He's talking about Egwene. And he says uh, something to the effect of she thought she was Jane herself. Reincarnated. Now, yeah, reincarnated. Yeah. I, I don't know if they're saying Egwene herself thought she was Jane or Jane herself was I a woman. I think Egwene herself. She thought she was Jane herself, not Jane herself. Like she herself was Jane. Yeah, I wasn't sure if they were turning Jane Fostrider into a woman. I couldn't, I couldn't really I grasp that so. because it was such like an interesting phrasing of the words. It could have been taken it multiple ways. So, That's... do you think that Jane Fostrider is going to be changed into a woman, a female character? No. Yes. Sure. I'll just pick the opposite. I don't think that it changes anything. If it is a female, is it going to be an old woman like Jane's an old man? Yeah, I want Helen Mirren to play uh, Jane Fostrider. Okay. The only, I, I did, I'm sorry, I did have one more spoiler note, and it was about the scene with Loghain and Matt 
and Loghain's laughter and how that's, it's a different scene, but similar to the books. Because when I originally watched it, I thought the purpose of the scene was Loghain is laughing and smiling at them, but he's not really smiling at Matt. He's really laughing and smiling at Rand. But then they kind of make it like it's all in Matt's head. And yeah. then it's like, well, what's the point then? Well, not the, what's the point, but it's a totally different point. It's that totally trying I think to make. they put it in there for us. And so I think Sarah mentioned... Logan laughing. Sarah Nakamura mentioned that she kind of fought to have that scene in there. Yeah, I don't think it means the same thing that it meant before. Yeah, so it's a like, totally I saw this meaning. being discussed, too, whether or not he actually can still see Tavira now that he's been gentled. And I think you're right, because Swan, we learned that Swan can't after she's stilled, right? She could see yeah, Tavira and she loses the ability when she's stilled, I think. Yeah, so well, it's, it's it's like it's put in there for us who are waiting to see Loghain laughing in the cage, but it's like a different meaning. Yeah. Yes, I think I agree. I think that that's basically all it was. I do like the fact that like they're seeing different things and thus having a much different conversation. They're not realizing it mm. afterwards. I, I think it's very interesting the show really as much as it possibly can steered clear of giving you any hint that the actual dragon reborn is the dragon reborn except for the huge blinking red arrow at the beginning of the episode hey dragon mount i've seen that before oh yeah where have you seen that before when did you see that yeah i was at a thing back the last time you saw that you were a second old i think it was a dream i'm sure it was a dream like it has to be a dream because he's never actually seen it in his living memory but like that was really odd to me because they've been doing a very, very blatant job of throwing misdirection on everyone who isn't the Dragon Reborn. And then they gave you like this one, like, really, like... Well, to us, it was obvious, but... Well, I yeah, mean, they Rand's give had you... nothing going on other than the fact that, like, people are insisting he's Aiel. He's really strong but that against doesn't... wood, though. He has wood powers. Yeah. He has wood powers. <laughs> he has wood powers, okay. Powers. Otherwise, right. he's got nothing. Yes, he's got nothing happening. I don't know. So there's a certain amount of non-book reader people who are going to be like, well, everyone's got something and this guy doesn't. So he's probably the guy. But yeah. like, th- but they've done a very good job of like, maybe it is Matt. And like, who knows what's happening with him? I think they've done a pretty good job of that misdirection. Like, it's too obvious that it's Matt. Right. Right. He's the Nynaeve he's the, thing. It was like, I, I don't know. It was obvious Either in the last them. episode yeah. that it was Nynaeve. And yeah, like the Matt thing is like, obvious. been going on. I don't feel like Moraine even thinks it might be Nynaeve as far as in this episode. Yes. Now she's just like, well, you channel and you're really powerful, so you're going to become a novice. Well, she does keep... Like, that's what you're going to do. She does sequester her in the warder's quarter, so none of the other Aes can get to her. I just think she doesn't want anybody to talk to her and try to sway her to be... She doesn't want her involved in their politics. She wants to, like, be... Uh, She wants her to be, like, her girl. I don't know about that. I think it's possible because she thinks she might be the dragon. I think well, I, said, I, knew. <laughs> I, I think she still thinks that Nynaeve is not the dragon. I think she eliminated that from her point of view with her age. Oh, but, with the age. But she does but, question her, the age. Well, yeah, she does. Game but in I, last she, episode. Yeah, yeah, but I think that it was more like self-doubt. I think she's pretty confident that it's not. But I do think she's like, you're going to stay here. You can't be a novice yet. Because I think she thinks, like, this is how Moraine is, like, you're involved in whatever's going on, and when I leave here with the rest of these kids, you're going to have to come with us. I don't think she knows she's leaving yet. Oh, yeah, well, I, don't, she, I think she knows she's leaving. I think she... Why? 
I don't think she knows where she's going, but I don't, I don't think, think that she, she knows thinks, she's... I don't I thought that they, they she actually not think, achieved their goal of getting to Tarvalon. Yeah, I don't, think, and I don't think she knows what's going on until she meets with Swan. Yeah. Right, right. And I, I think I, she's waiting whole, to meet with Swan, and then she's going to have to meet with Swan. Is Swan's, idea. like, absolute portraying hatred for her? And is that, like, a, a total front? Yes. And then when they get alone together, I think that's what they're see. getting at. I think they're, yeah. they're trying to get at, in this telling of the story that... Swan puts on an outwardly an outward hatred of Maureen, or, or at and, least disdain for her because she's you know absent. And she said she's only been gone for two years. Wasn't no, she gone la- for like twenty no, years? La- in no, the, book? the last time she's been back has been two years. Maureen does right. go I back she to the tower. She no, I think does. she does. She does. Yeah, and I, I was trying to. I was realizing. Oh, I, I, I was. I was explaining this to Sarah when we were watching, and I was like, Maureen's like been gone for twenty years, and then literally right after that, Landrin says, "Oh, you haven't been back in two years." And Sarah's like, well, didn't you just say 20? I was like, she comes back and like, just a bit, like for a little bit and then leaves. She oh, doesn't I, stay. I always for any thought she literally time. never, ever went back to the tower. because she I feel like she's been there. back at like, I don't remember in the books, to be honest with you. And someone could correct me. I'm sure one of our listeners will correct me on this. I also, Jen, agreed with you. I thought she had been gone for the full, t- for like a full 20 years. But I do mm-hmm. think she, every once in a while, comes back just for like a short period of time. Nobody thinks she's dead, right? Like, it's not like Katsuwain, where when Katsuwain returns, they're like, oh, I thought you had died. I mean, Katsuwain's also old, but, like, Maureen, I think, has made appearances, and uh, I just think that she's just she's not probably around. in and out really yeah. quick. She's like, yeah, I'm just coming to get some cash money, extended. you know? Cash right. money. Anyone, any further spoiler thoughts before we wrap this up? I know people are like, a little disappointed for a couple of reasons with Loyal. Uh, one, that he's not 10 feet tall and that he's not CGI. He doesn't look exactly the same. He is tall. I think he's clocking in at around seven oh, feet. Oh, did you on the notice show. the way they were swirling the cameras all over the place in that scene to yes to disorient you and get so you couldn't get a real good judgment on how tall he was? No, but yeah, there are a couple of points where basically like Rand's up to his shoulder. But the camera's like moving up and down and around. Yes, well, it's like moving it's, all over the place. They're doing that a lot scene. of Lord of the Ringsy kind of camera trickery. They're like, but I think he's clocking in somewhere around seven feet, which is tall enough. Yeah. The thing that got me most about like the changes that they made to Loyal, and this is really weird, but it, for me it, it's the thing, is that like Loyal is like just starting to grow a beard in like Knife of Dreams. Like he's that young that he's just oh, yeah, starting. That's right, yeah. And I'm like, he's got like a full goatee. He's very Leonide, he's very lion like, I feel. Yeah, um, I I when we first saw those like kind of I guess leaked it, though it wasn't really leaked, it was just one of the other Amazon accounts posting a photo of him. I have to say right off the bat, my first impressions was like, oh, my God, I didn't like it. I didn't like his look and I got really nervous. And I said, you know what, though, I'm going to reserve judgment because let's see Hamed act as him. And I have to say Hamed was fucking awesome. He's so good. He's so good. He was like perfect as the role. He did speak fast, though, which I it didn't bother me too much. But it was weird that I thought he spoke very quickly, which is uh, obviously not. I think really yeah, do but I I think but he didn't get would... to a point quickly. He just no, he didn't. Yeah, he babbled. I did like when he was like, "I'll come with you," and then he was like packing up his. Let books. me just get my things. Yeah. and, then and it he's was like, like I, I'm, "I'm going. I'm leaving." <laughs> he was like, mm. <laughs> "Someone else pointed this out. I don't remember who it was." And I apologize. <laughs> but I thought his acting totally. What, yeah. Whatever I was getting to the point of is that I was concerned about the just from the picture I saw. I don't like his hair. I'm sorry. I'm never going to probably like his hair. But I, I've gotten past that. And I thought Hamed is amazing. And it's totally changed my thoughts on it. And I like I like him very much. 
I wanted to see more of him. I wanted yes. to see more. I was upset that he wasn't in more of the episode. Yes, that's one of my bigger problems is that he should be in more things. I feel like Loyal's not in enough of the books as is, but I feel like Hammond should definitely have been more in the episode. I thought that that storyline was very underserviced. Uh, the proportion of storylines were, were were skewed. You had one too many water scenes in this episode. And there was yeah. too many scenes of emphasizing that the Steppen storyline was really about Land of Moraine. There was like one too many of those. <laughs> Yeah, and yeah, was, that's what it was. It was like that whole storyline. There was a lot of scenes all like trying to drill home a, one point, one single point. Whereas in the other scenes, they were all talk. It was all about different things, and right. it was like we're spending a lot of time drilling, drilling in one single point. Whereas in the other storylines, where it's just a very different pacing in the stories in the different storylines. Like someone pointed, someone pointed out on on Twitter, and I like that this is one of like the last times that you see like Rand as he naturally is, like. He just meets Loyal and he becomes friends with a weird kid like, immediately. And like Land is like a Rand is like immediately like like just friendly with him. And like that's really good. But they needed another scene of them having a conversation of like Land, of Rand being able to like maybe not like say like what's going on, but like let down his guard and like develop some sort of bond with him. Because it's literally like I had a conversation with you and then I found this person. It'd be very weird for me for like the next scene to be like. I'm going with you because we're close. Like they yeah. need, they need more of that. They did a scene. Yeah. They didn't see where like they came back and like Rand's like playing stones with him and going like, you know, Matt's not feeling well. He's blah blah blah. Like you know, you know, he was rude and I'm sorry or whatever. Like something like that. Where's Basil Gill? Oh yeah, we didn't see. Did he get cut? You think? Or is no, he I think he'll be in the next episode. He'll be in the next episode. Uh, what's the character playing him? Uh, I can't Darren remember. Darren Clark. Darren Clark. Yeah, Why we didn't do I know see that him. Right off the- Top of my head. Because yes. you're awesome. Yeah, that's yeah, why. I am. Yeah, that's we didn't true. see Darren Clark, but it's we're gonna be in Tarvalon next episode. So I think it's possible we see him in the next episode. It's yeah, weird, right though. Bill. If they went the if they went to the inn, you right, think they, in. they would have they established didn't. him at least in this episode and then they would have gone back to him maybe in the next episode. So it'd be maybe weird. Like a scene or something in this episode. Yeah. It'd be weird for him to appear in the next episode and be like, Oh, this is the innkeeper, but they checked into this inn last episode. Why didn't they show the innkeeper yeah, last episode? I don't know. You're right. It could it could have been cut. That. All right. So let's wrap it up here. Jen, you wanted to mention something about. Okay. So we are going to have a new shirt on our merch page, courtesy of New Creations by Jen. And it is going to be a Hen News shirt that was designed by Rob from Weekly Wheel News. Oh, hashtag Hen News. But anyway, so it's not available yet. But when it does become available, I think in the next couple of days or a week, he is going to give 10% off to our listeners who use the code HENNEWS, capital H-E-N-N-E-W-S, all one word. So use that code on newcreationsbygen.com. I think you could search for content creators on that website. I'll put the link oh, in. Okay. It's, it, actually, the link is always in our show notes. So Okay. So look look out for it in the next couple of days. If you want a Hen New shirt, it's really a great design. It's the picture of Juliet Howland's Hen Egwene. I'm so happy to finally have Hen News merchandise. So please use the Hen News code and get 10% off your Hen News apparel. Excellent. Jen, new patrons? So we have two new Dreamwalkers. We have Admiral Bundy and Stephanie Payjack. And we have a new member of the Illuminators Guild, Matthew Gilliland. And to the person who increased their pledge... I apologize if I can find it next week. I will mention your name, but thank you to everyone. Our new patrons, I... our increased patrons, our current patrons who have been with us forever. 
We appreciate you and we love you. Thank you, Math Matthew. Thank you, Admiral. Thank you, Stephanie. The person who increased their pledge was Michael A. Jordan, not to Thank be confused you. with Michael B. Jordan or Michael J. Jordan. Jordan. <laughs> but Michael A. Jordan has increased their pledge to become part of the company of Chelvanen. So thank you, Michael A. Jordan. Thank you. You're you our favorite a, Michael Jordan. You are a number one in our books. You're like our third favorite Michael Jordan. No, you're a number one. <laughs> no, Michael you're our Jordan. favorite. You're our favorite. Because they, they don't, they don't pledge. They're not on a Patreon. So The other yeah. ones, yeah. yeah Michael B. Favorite. Jordan hasn't supported us, and neither has Michael Jeffrey Jordan. So screw them, too. What are they doing? Like, they have money. Why can't they donate to our Patreon? Yeah, they have lots of money. Come on. to our page. Come on, Michael Jordans. Michael's Jordan. <laughs> Michael's Jordan. <laughs> Michael's Jordan. Yeah, so... Um, the, the, I, the I, Michael's Jordan. I will echo uh, my colleagues. Thanks to all of you. You're the best. Yeah, so I want to remind everyone to follow us on social media. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Join us over in Discord to continue the conversation there. Rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts. And check out our merchandise and Patreon pages to support us that way if you can. Links to all the aforementioned information is included to the show notes of this episode. And remember to check us out next week, December 11th. Well, we'll be on on the 12th, but December 11th begins the Water Holiday um, charity live stream, 24 hours on YouTube, 24 hours of Wheel of Time, including all your favorite content creators. You'll see it on Twitter, too. We'll be posting it all over Twitter, too, for next week. So check it out if you're not busy that weekend. 24 hours of Wheel of Time. Any last thoughts, Jen and Tom? Three more to go. Three more. Is it crazy that there's only three more episodes? And that means, I feel like, like we're just getting it's almost started. Christmas. It is So I'm definitely Christmas not ready for this, to, for this to be over. All right. Three more episodes, everyone. Thanks to everyone for listening, and you'll hear us next time.